Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet, the sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by our mini helmet contest. The SGP mini helmets are now in the store, and we're giving away one for free. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash helmet. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, once again, uh, here going solo for this podcast. And it is a very important podcast because it is officially, no technicalities involved, the first podcast of 2023 for us. We did a podcast yesterday. It was technically recorded on December 31st of 2022. So that was the last podcast. This is the first podcast. And welcome to the new year. And we're looking forward to catching some bets. Now, don't really have much to recap because we have yet to actually see both the lock and dog matches take place. However, we did start the 2023 year off right with a nice winner on the lock. Had Giron on the money line at minus 110 against Gasquet. Incredible match uh, involved. It, I believe it was 7 6, 6 7, 7 5. Uh, definitely could have gone either way. Giron had a lot of break points in the second set, thought he might win it there. Then it went three, and Gasquet was actually serving for the match. And then his body completely self destructed on him, and Giron won the final four games, and he ended up winning the match seven or winning the final set seven five. So I can say that I'm totally shocked. We definitely got a bit lucky there because of just the circumstances in which Gasquet's body completely betrayed him, but we did account for it in our breakdown with Gasquet being older and with his history of just physically declining in long, grueling matches, especially in the climate of Australia. I thought Giron, the younger and fitter player, would be able to wear him down, and he did. Great match, though. Phenomenal match to start the year, and we picked up a winner. Now, as for the dog, can't recap it yet because Batista Gut has not faced off against Rublev yet, Hopefully, RBA gets it done, but we'll see what happens there, and we'll probably end up recapping that for the next episode in general. But since this is going to be the first, uh, technically the first or second tournament of 2023, because Adelaide is taking place for the majority of it in 2023, in case you aren't aware of the actual show format, usually if there are multiple ATP tournaments going on at the same time, we will do one episode for outrights and just break down both of them in the same episode. However, since it is 2023, figured might as well give each of the tournaments their individual love. So for that reason, we kind of broke it down into two separate podcasts, one on each tournament for the outrights. And then later on in the week, we will have one show where we will go back to merging the tournaments together. And we'll go through some matches there. And then same thing for the finals. If we end up doing another show there, my guess is we'll probably end up doing an episode for the semis. And then we'll do another episode for the final. That's kind of what we adopted as the normal format for the show at the end of last year. And I kind of liked it. So we're going to stick there. And then uh, hopefully uh, for the Australian Open, we will do episodes almost every day. I believe I got the green light from the higher-ups to do more episodes for Grand Slams, so we're going to be sticking with that, and we're probably going to have at least one episode per 
either round or every two rounds. So the Australian Open, you're going to see a lot of tennis gambling podcast content, which I'm sure a lot of you are looking forward to. But either way, uh, time to get into this tournament, which is going to be taking place in India. Yes, I know Australia is getting all the love because you have so many warm-up tournaments followed by the Australian Open starting in late January. However, there is a tournament taking place in India, in Pune, uh, which should be fun, and there are a decent amount of well-known players here. I will admit, though, the field in Adelaide is definitely tougher from top to bottom, but still money to be made here, so we're going to cover it. But before I get into any of the outrights and the draw itself, do you want to take a quick word from our sponsor? WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the SportsCam Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. Reduce juice on sides, totals for all bowl games, great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100, and win $100 limited to state availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgampodcast.com slash winbet so they know we send you. the sportsgampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject, to change, uh, offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call one 800 522 4700. Don't forget to enter the SGP mini helmet contest. Just go to the sportscampodcast.com slash helmet to enter the sportscampodcast.com slash helmet. And welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gallon Podcast. Just finished kind of ushering us into the new year. Kinda. Either way, time to move on into the tournament that's going to be taking place over the next week in India. So starting off with the actual history of the event. This tournament has been around for a while. It's had several names. Uh, it's been around since 1996. And now to look through the actual events here uh, for winners, I'll go through the, I don't think I really have time to go through the losers. I'll mention one in particular who I might get into for the outrights. But if I asked you right now, who is the defending champion at this event? I'm assuming none of you would say Zhao Souza. But that is correct, because Souza did end up beating Rusevuri in the final last year. Uh, then did, did not have a tournament because of COVID in 2021. You had Vesely won in 2020, Anderson won in 2019, and Simone won in 2018. So really not much to go on based on history here because of the fact that uh, Simone retired, Anderson retired. Uh, Vesely's battled injuries for the last couple of years at this point, and Souza uh, I don't think I'm picking to win the title. So I, I do think when you end up looking at the history of this event, there's really not many guys that jump off the page, so to speak. Also doesn't help Souza's odds when he's not actually in the tournament. So I don't think he's going to actually be able to uh, defend his championship. But either way, uh, I do think this should be a fun tournament. But going through the odds here, you have Chilich at 5-1. to one. You have uh, Zanschulp at 6-1. to one. You have Rusevori at 7-1. to one. You have Karatsev at 9-1. to one. Krajinovic at... 10 to 1, Basilashvili at 12 to 1, which I find comical. Uh, I know that he, historically speaking, is pretty good on hard court, but I mean, he's he's in the Hall of Fame for our podcast based on how often we faded him last year. Uh, once the match scandal uh, allegations came out and you watched him punt a bunch of matches after that, it, it just makes me laugh. There's really no way around it. If you know when to fade him, uh, you make a bunch of money because they have to price him based on his talent, except he might be the most mentally fragile player on tour. He's up there. Maybe Benoit Pair. They're kind of in the same boat. But either way, 
Basilashvili, 12 to 1. I can tell you right now, there's a 0% chance I will take Basilashvili. You have Bonzi at 12 to 1. Greek Sports, 16 to 1. Baez at 16 to 1. Albert at 16. Uh, Van Rithoven at uh, 16. You also have Munar at 18. Mamoa at 18. Mulcan at 18. Dejir at 18. And then you get into some of the seri- uh, serious long shots here. This tournament is definitely an interesting one because normally you have really top-tier guys, or at least one, who's a prohibitive favorite over the rest of the competition. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be Djokovic in like Adelaide where he's a minus price to win the tournament, but usually you have one guy who's in the plus 100s or plus 200s, the small plus 200s, and then there's a jump. You have somebody at like 5-1 to one or 6-1 to one who's the second favorite. This tournament, not so much. It is pretty close. Once again, you have Chilich, uh, who is at five to one, and then the fifth highest odds is ten to one, and that kind of just tells you the tournament could go to anybody. But they are expecting Chilich to win in theory because he's the most talented guy here. He's won a Grand Slam. However, Chilich is definitely not the same guy he used to be. Still good. He had a deep run there in the French Open this past year. He's still a very solid player. The issue is the unforced errors, which have kind of plagued him for his entire career. The serve is still great, though, which should translate well to the hard courts in Australia. Do I want to take him at plus 500? Eh, I don't feel great about it, to be honest with you. Uh, Zan Schulp, I think, is a good player. Uh, We know that he has made a good run on hard courts in the past, both in Grand Slams and in regular events, but I do think that he's a good player who tends to slip up on occasion. Six to one, though, maybe. I'm going to mention the draws in a second. Rusevori is the first one I'm interested in because he was the runner-up last year. So he's very experienced with this tournament. He's played well in uh, India, which definitely helps out. Uh, by the way, I mentioned uh, Chilich in Australia. That is true, but I also meant the hard courts in India. Uh, sorry about that. But still, I'm looking at Rusevori at seven to one. Rusevori is a very, very talented player. He's also an unforced error machine, which is going to be a bit of a problem. But I do think with him having experience on this actual court and with his overall firepower and his ability to improve, you got to keep in mind a lot of these guys who really came onto the scene the past couple of years are still very, very young. And I do think that you're going to end up seeing some of these guys uh, really showcase their potential growth moving forward. We saw it last year with Rune. I know Rune was even younger than Rusevori, but the point is we have seen guys make the leap. Alcaraz made a leap, even though everyone expected him to be a top-five player at some point. But you're looking at Rusevori, he's only 23. I think that he's definitely capable of being a future top-20 guy, maybe top-15 guy in terms of talent. If he could just rein in the unforced errors a bit, he really has the talent to beat anybody. And I do think that at 7-1, to getting the defending runner-up is definitely worth a look. So that's kind of where I'm looking. But if you want to talk about some of the actual draws, which might favor some players in particular, Chilich does have a pretty nice draw. I will admit that. So you can make a case here that Chilich should really cruise to the semis. Uh, he has a buy in round one. They're facing off against Baina or Marias, uh, which, I mean, they're two clay court specialists from Spain. Then you have most likely... Uh, I mean, you're looking at Basilashvili, Greek Spore, Munar. I, I think that Chilich should win that one. Uh, you have Baez after that, potentially, or Van Rithoven or Karatsev. Karatsev, though, against Anduhar in round one might be an interesting match because Karatsev is, once again, another uh, ultra-aggressive hardcore player. Anduhar tries to be a brick wall. 
So you could argue unforced errors might get the best of Karatsev. I think he should win that. But I think you're probably looking at Chilich against Karatsev in uh, the semis. And I'm not going to lie, that's not the easiest match for either guy. I think that's actually a really entertaining match. We've seen Karatsev had great runs in Australia in the past. He's a good hardcore player. And I do think in India with the hardcourts, he definitely could put his best foot forward and maybe surprise some people. But I do think Chilich should make a relatively deep run. You're looking at Rusevori, though. I don't really mind his draw either. He has a bye in round one. And facing off against Bonzi or Tsang, then probably facing off against uh, Krajinovic, who's a good hardcore player. I think we could all agree that he's his best service is clay. But I think Rusevori's got a decent run there. Uh, he would have to face off against Zanschulp in the semis, which would be a very fun matchup there. But I think Rusevori, the fact that he's been there before, definitely helps. And I do think that is worth a shot. Karatsev at 9-1 to one is really the fascinating one for me because I mentioned a second ago how he would face Chilich in the semis, and he's really, really good on hardcore. There's no way around it. But he was also involved in a match-fixing scandal uh, with uh, Basilashvili. I believe they were either training partners or they had the same coach who was linked. But the point is, Karatsev has been linked to some gambling issues in the past, but he's still playing, so I think they're still trying to figure out the details, etc., but Karatsev on hardcore is very good. I think I will take a flyer with him at 9-1 to one just because the talent alone on hardcore is really impressive. And I do think that he can beat Chilich, and that's good enough for me. I think Karatsev, if he is on, he's really arguably the most dangerous player in this entire field. And I do think if you're going to be getting him at around 9-1, to one, I'm tempted by it. I'll throw a flyer there. And now for the long shots, this is one of those tournaments, as I was mentioning before, where there's no prohibitive favorite. So you can make a case that the long shots might actually have a decent opportunity to get representation in the final if you can just pick the right guy. The issue is trying to find the right guy because a lot of these guys are play court specialists or I'll put it this way, have not exactly impressed in hard court results in the past. So it's tough to really go to the window with many of these guys. I like Mulcan as a player. Is he good enough on hardcore to make a deep run? I don't know. I like Baez as a player. Is he good enough to make a deep run? Probably not because the serve isn't good enough. But talent-wise, he's very good. He's just more of a clay court guy. Baez I'll pass on, though, because he also had some injury issues. He had to retire from a lot of matches late in the year with his legs. So I do want to kind of keep an eye on how he fares up or how he fares in his first tournament of 2023. But for the long shots here... I don't think I really see much. Uh, I want to make a case for Van Rithoven. Uh, most of his great tournaments came on grass, uh, where he won his first ATP event in uh, the Netherlands. Then he also took a set off Djokovic in Wimbledon, uh, but ended up uh, losing that match comfortably in the end. But on hard court, Van Rithoven really didn't do much. He had that thrilling comeback in the first round of the U.S. Open where he fought off, I think it was nine match points, I think. But the point is, he's just not a consistent enough player for me to go to the window with. Albert's not a good enough server. I'm not going to take a shot there. I roasted Basilashvili before. I'm not going to go into that again. I think the one long shot I would consider taking would be Dejir. And the only reason why is because I think his serve is good enough to potentially win him a decent amount of free points. And we saw him lose in a hardcourt final to Manorino last year, right before the U.S. Open. So he has made deep runs at hardcourt before. He officially snapped 
the tiebreak streak. He was on the verge of breaking the all-time record for most consecutive tiebreaks lost last year. I don't remember if he got the record. I think Hassa still had him beat by one or two, but Dejir lost like 19 tiebreakers in a row, and it was hilarious if you were just viewing it from a distance. A lot of people didn't know about it when it was happening. I think I picked up upon it when he was at 14 or so, but I looked into it, and he just couldn't win a tiebreaker for about a month and a half or even longer. It was like 19 straight tiebreakers lost, but he finally won a couple tiebreaks. So maybe that's behind him. Maybe averages will balance out and he'll win a bunch of tiebreaks. But if I had to pick one long shot, I'd go with the guy who has a very good serve. And I've ha- I've seen have success on hard courts in the past, and it would be DeGier. Uh Looking at his draw, though, does face Mulcan in the first round, which is basically a pick It's a pretty close matchup around minus 110 both sides. So that could be very competitive but once again, there are pretty slim pickings for the actual long shot here. But if I had to pick one, I guess it would be DeGier because of the serve and the historical success on hard court compared to other guys in his price range. But for me, I think the outrights, I'm going to keep it simple. Chilich, I want to consider taking at 5-1 to one because I do like his draw. The problem is I like Chilich a lot, but he really has had a hard time of making deep runs and events, and he seems to always have a decent path, and then he gets upset. And I think that you could see a spot where Chilich has a very winnable match in the quarters of the semis, and then the serve or the forehand or the backhand just self-destruct, and he starts spraying balls all over the court, and he ends up uh, losing a very competitive match. So I think I'm going to pass on Chilich, maybe... I'll consider taking him if uh, the draw goes his way and he has a cupcake match in the semis or some of the main guys on the other side lose and his final matchup would be quite favorable. But I think I'm going to pass. I think I'm going to stick with the two and a half guys that I mentioned. I'm going to take Rusevori. I do think that him playing in this event last year, making it all the way to the final is a good sign for him. And I do think with his overall firepower, He definitely has the skills that could lead to a very successful run here. So I will take Rusevori at 7-1. I will take Karatsev at 9-1. I think that Karatsev, similar story to Rusevori, I just think the skill set there and the past success on hard court is tough to ignore. And even though he could crash and burn immediately, I'll take my chances. I think 9-1 is a good price for a guy who's ceiling is arguably higher than anybody else's healing in this event. Uh, then I'm going to take the long shot here, going to go with Dejir at 18-1. to 1. Not going to slam it or anything, because I think he could lose in the first round. But I do think that Dejir, with his hard court skill set, with the serve and the forehand, I think could end up making a run. Unforced errors, also an issue with his game, but I do think 18-1 to is a decent price. Uh, especially when you're putting him in the same price point as Munar, who's a clay court specialist. Uh, you're going to put him with Mokan, who's unproven on hard court. Momoa, who's kind of been an underachieving American player for the last couple of years. Uh, he's he's priced below the likes of Anrithavan and Albert and Baez and Greek Sport. I just don't think that price point's fair, so I'll go with Dejir at 18-1. to 1. But either way, uh, before I actually get into the picks for some individual matches for the lock and dog segment. Time to take another word from our sponsors. 
We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. At Underdog, the season never ends. Right now, you can play their weekly Battle Royale games or even draft your playoff best ball teams. They also have a ton of daily games for NBA and NHL. Plus, when you use promo code SGP at at underdogfantasy.com, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. And welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished doing the preview and the outrights for Pune. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the matches. And starting off with the lock, I am going to go with a matchup between Greek Spore and Munar. And I'm going to take Greek Spore on the money line here at minus 115. This match should be close. Munar, according to ATP ranking, is the better player. However, the fact that Greek Spore is still a slight favorite, despite being... Uh, worse in the rankings is pretty telling. And the main focal point there is Munar is not a good hardcore player. He's a clay court specialist. Greek Spore is a lot more comfortable on the hard court. And I do think that his overall skill set is going to translate better to this court than Munar. It should be close. I'm not saying Greek Spore dominates and wins 6 2 6 2, but I am saying with Greek Spore's serve and his length, I do think he can give Munar problems. Munar is not a very good server. And I do think that Greek Spore could or should get a bunch of free points in comparison on a serve, and I think he'll eventually parlay that into a win. I see it being competitive, though. Maybe a tiebreaker in there, but give me some type of 7-6-6-4 match or maybe even a three-setter, but I'll take Greek Spore on the money line at minus 115. And for my dog, I'm going to go with a matchup between the two clay court experts on a hard court. I'm going to go with the two Spaniards. I'm going to look at Baina against Apata Marias, I do think that you're going to end up seeing a very close match. But to go through the actual head-to-head here, Abaina has been very good. But they've faced off five times in their careers, all all clay. Baina is 4-1. and one. And I know that it's a new surface. You can argue that it doesn't matter. The point is both guys are not that comfortable on hard court. And if you want to give me plus money with the guy that in the head-to-head is 4-1, and one, I think there's value there. Baina has shown that on occasion, his skill set can translate to hardcore. And Zapata Marias, kind of a similar story. I think that this matchup should be very, very close. But I do think getting plus money for a guy that's 4-1 and one in the head-to-head is definitely worth a decent shot there. So for me, I'll go with Baina on the money line at plus 106 as my dog. But it's going to wrap it up. For this episode of the Tennis Scaling Podcast, once again, uh, Happy New Year to all of you. And hopefully uh, we end up cashing a lot of tennis bets over the course of this year. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.